You're listening to The Enoughness Revolution, a powerful conversation on what it takes to become enough and stay enough as we strive toward our potential. I'm your host, Enoughness Coach and Women's Leadership Mentor, Megan Hale. Join me every Monday and Thursday as I talk to some of the top voices on what it takes to live true, live brave, and become our biggest champion along the way. It's time to revolutionize the way you live, love, work, and dream. This is the Enoughness Revolution. Hello, leaders, and welcome back. I'm speaking to a phenomenal woman today who I have been so eager (laughs) to release our conversation. So today's the day, and I cannot wait. Just as a friendly reminder, I want to point all of you to the Fierce Foon and Masterclass, which is a self-paced course that I've collaborated on with seven other phenomenal women. For those of you who are really looking to step up into your personal leadership and up-level your lives and businesses, this course has so much wisdom embedded in it from women who have really cultivated the mindset to do a lot of internal shifting. So they are shifting massively externally. So please go and check that out at fiercefoonandmasterclass.com. Today, I'm speaking to the lovely Heather Ash Amara, who is the author and best of the best-selling book, Warrior Goddess Training, the Warrior Goddess Training Companion Book, The Toltec Path of Transformation, and the upcoming Warrior Goddess Way. She is dedicated to inspiring depth, creativity, and joy by sharing the most potent tools from a variety of world traditions. Heather Ash studied and taught extensively with Don Miguel Ruiz, author of The Four Agreements, and continues to teach with the Ruiz family. Raised in Southeast Asia, Heather Ash has traveled the world from childhood and is continually inspired by the diversity and beauty of human expression and experience. She brings this open-hearted, inclusive worldview to her writings and teachings, which are a rich blend of Toltec wisdom, European shamanism, Buddhism, and Native American ceremony. I've included her website in the show notes. I, I love everything that this woman writes and especially when I was reading the warrior goddess training you know there's so many things that just closely paralleled my own journey and my own beliefs and you know just reading through her her main goal of just liberating women from the stories of not enough I just knew that I wanted her to come and share her wisdom on the podcast so I'm so excited that she is going to be doing that today so without further ado here is Heather Ash. Welcome back to the Enoughness Revolution, everyone. I am so, so honored to have my guest, Heather Ash Amara, here with me, the beautiful author of Warrior Goddess Training. I'm so excited to talk with you and so thankful that you are here. So thank you. Thanks so much, Megan. Great to be here. Of course. So for all of our listeners who might not know you or your work, would you mind just introducing yourself to them? Yes. I. Where to start? (laughs) (laughs) My passion is around supporting women in stepping into their power and their sense of play and their authenticity. And I weave two different traditions together, European shamanism, Mm -hmm. and really about the cycles and coming back into alignment with nature and with ourselves. And also Toltec wisdom, which is based out of Mexico. And with my uh, mentor and dear friend, Don Miguel Ruiz, who's the author of The Four Agreements. So those two threads are woven woven together along with a lot of other really practical what works, what's the most potent tools that we can use. 
Totally. And one of the things that I love about your work is that it's like we're coming home to our true essence as women of really just getting back to who we are and uncovering those gems that I think have just been hidden by centuries and centuries of who women think that we're supposed to be or become or just, you know, the, the roles that we're supposed to play in the modern day, you know, life. Yeah, exactly. And it feels like we're, we're shedding so many old shoulds and musts and thoughts of who we're supposed to be. And that's allowing us to step forward and connect with ourselves and connect with each other in a really new way. Yes. Exciting time. It is an exciting time. And I love that you use the word of just shedding, of getting rid of and releasing, because I think as women, uh, we we have this tendency of tacking on all of these beliefs and stories that really take us away from our true authenticity. And in my experience, anytime we're not being authentic or true to ourselves, it's really hard for us to be enough as we are. So we think we have to be something different. Yeah, exactly. And this idea, it seems like for a lot of us, I know I acted under this for a long time is there's this underlying sense of I'm broken and I have to fix something. And so if I just do these particular steps, then I'll be better. And it is, it's that sense of if I add something, but I've actually found it's really about taking away the beliefs that don't serve us, that don't work for us, that aren't even ours, that we're caring for with, without realizing it. Yes. And that's when our light just starts to shine. Mm, I cannot agree more. And I love that. It's almost like we think we, we need to become more, but it's, we kind of need to unbecome. Yeah. Just really just take everything down to its very, you know, pure, pure level. So I love that we are on the same page with that. Yes. So one of the concepts that I really wanted to explore with you is this concept of the fierce feminine, because I think for women, we try and fit ourselves into these boxes of like not too much this and not too much that, or we get into this either or game of I can be bold, but I can't be too, too beautiful. Or, you know, we're always trying to balance these dichotomies. And I really want to start a conversation that it's not about being either or it's about being both and. And I love that you talk about the warrior and you talk about the goddess because they're so similar to that fierce feminine of being that strong, you know, fierce, part of ourselves, while also being this loving and nurturing and soft space in the world too. Yeah, I so agree that it's about us bringing together both our strength and our vulnerability. That is what creates the most healing. Mm -hmm. And that's what the warrior goddess energy is about. That warrior total focus, clarity, 100% commitment, I'm in, yes, which we really need as women. Mm -hmm. And yet when we just hold warrior energy, it's very easy to get disconnected and to start powering over ourselves and others, which is not helpful. <laughs> the, the goddess energy, bringing in the goddess energy of that place of opening and compassion and love and play yes. and, and generosity. And that the goddess, the, there's so many manifestations of the goddess around the world. There's the most sweet, compassionate goddess and there's the most fierce ferocious goddess and that we want to bring all of those back to ourselves and walk in this way where we're being truthful and honest with ourselves and we're also letting ourselves be soft yes present to the the frailty that we can feel as well as the incredible power mm. i think there's so much power that does come from softness too 
And I think it's really allowing ourselves to redefine what powers women really looks like, that it doesn't always have to be all of this muscle and this force and overpowering and overbearing, but there, it can also be just very open and receiving. There's a lot of power there too. And I know for the women that I work with, it can be very hard to be open to receive. We're the, we're the doers and the givers, right? <laughs> exactly. That's a big balance for women is, okay, how do you practice bringing in being receptive to the energies around you, the people around you, and taking love in? Because it's so mm -hmm. true. So often we're trying to get love or to give love. And we forget that in order to be full, in order to really be in service and to stay bright in our own lives we need to receive from ourselves as well as from others mm. and that's super scary I would love for you to talk more about that because I think this is such a big piece of how we really allow ourselves to receive yeah it's so it's so good <laughs> I like to think about receiving is that we learn to open ourselves to the gifts that are around us all the time. And so I start at that real foundation, just receiving my own breath, taking my own breath in, receiving the sunlight, receiving the, the water that I'm taking in. So there's that element of mindfulness and realizing that we're being loved all the time if we shift the way we perceive. So when we slow down and really look at what are the gifts in my life and where are the places I'm already receiving, but I'm not even taking it in or don't recognize it. And from the natural world, we can then open up to the people in our lives as well as where are we receiving from people and from animals and from kids and where are the places we're blocking. And a really simple example that I see women do is sometimes people will compliment us on something, a job well done, or how our hair looks that day. And most of us will go, oh, well, it's my hairdresser. She's awesome. Or, oh, yeah, it was a pretty good report, but my team was fabulous. And we'll immediately deflect. Mm. And so true. Else. And so practicing just taking a breath, and receiving and saying thank you. Yes. And that we don't have to defend, we don't have to make it somebody else did it, and we don't have to also go, yeah, I know, I'm great. But just to take it in and receive. There is something so sacred about that. Yes. There really is. It's like, there's like a spiritual component of, of opening that space within yourself for like to let that light get in, let that love get in. And I don't think that we're often so aware of how many times we do deflect, just like you mentioned. Um, just like the simplest things, like the compliments. And I would sometimes wonder, like, if we, if we deflect those, the small things, uh, what happens with the big things? So true. Mm -hmm. So true. And that's why starting small then helps us to start seeing, oh, right, I'm also deflecting that. And we start to watch our thoughts because so often our thoughts are also deflecting things. Yeah. Go towards worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. oh, what yeah. wrong here rather than what could go right here yes what what might I receive if I stay open and present and dream bigger than I've been dreaming mm -hmm. that's really fun to play with as well oh yeah dream energy is great energy <laughs> I love being in that space so I'd like to maybe take a little bit of a vulnerable turn if if you'll walk with me for a moment 
Um, enoughness work is really about coming home to ourselves and becoming whole. And I would love to know from your, from your perspective and your journey what that's looked like for you, some of the things that you've had to overcome to really feed yourself from your, from your own love and your own acceptance. Mm, great question. One of the biggest things that I've had to overcome is my own judge and my own belief that I took on that I had to be perfect in order to be loved, liked, okay in the world. And so often, I found this with myself, and I've talked to a lot of women that have this same experience where I created this whole idea of who I would be if I was the right woman, like a good woman, spiritual, um, kind, like all this idea of the perfect Heather Ash. Mm -hmm. and, and then I spent years comparing myself to who I think I was supposed to be. Yes. And that's exhausting. And so much judgment, so much, um, you know, well, you did okay, but you could have done this. And so when I first started working specifically with Don Miguel, I, I started working with the Toltec path because I recognized in the tradition that I had worked, was working in, with, which was a goddess tradition, that something was missing. Mm. That it felt like I was more connected to nature and I felt more of a sense of really honoring all parts of life. And I also felt like there's something that I'm not getting. And when I started working with Miguel, what I recognized is it was this piece around judge, mm. the judge, and that the tendency to use everything against myself, mm. judge myself and be critical. And so even if something really positive happened, there was still a way that it was like, oh, well, that was just a fluke or something. The judge is so tricky. And so unweaving that and changing my own inner dialogue was huge. Mm -hmm. And now I, you know, it used to be before that there was this, this constant not enough comparison, um, com looking towards who I think I thought I was supposed to be. And now that still pops up. Yes. And it's always held within the sense of humor that I have, like, oh, there's a judge again. Hey, sweetie. <laughs> and this just joy. Like, my most of the time, my internal voice is really sweet mm -hmm. and very compassionate and very, like, wow, that was a really good mistake, sweetie. Okay. Mm -hmm. What are we going to do now? Yes. I had a great example of this um, several years ago that I was with Don Miguel and he, we were at a big, big church that he was speaking at and he invited me up, which he would do often. So I went up to talk and it was, I think there were about 400 people in the room. And as I walked down the stairs, when I was done, as I was walking back down the stairs of this church, I tripped mm. and I went sprawling, boom, in front of 400 people. And as I'm falling, I'm laughing. <laughs> and I'm like, this is such a spectacular fall. Like, this is such a good fall. And I land <laughs> And all these people run over like, are you okay? And I'm like, wasn't that good? And I realize I'm like, oh my God, I have changed so much because oh, I yeah. dating a couple years earlier. Mm -hmm. And now I just like myself and I'm, I don't expect myself to be perfect. Mm. I know that there's going to be mistakes and you know, that I'm gawky at times and that I trip and I fall on my face and that that's part of life and that we can... Mm, really fall in love with all of who we are. Yes. Not with just the things that we wish we were. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love that so much. 
there's this piece that I've been exploring when it comes to self-compassion and I call her the inner priestess. Mm -hmm. You might call her, you know, your higher self or that intuitive, wise, compassionate, loving piece of us. And I hear that side of you coming out and your ability to joke and just be carefree and embracing all of who you are. And reading your book, especially the chapter on how we start to discern between intuition and that fear voice that's coming up, I'd love to explore that a little bit deeper with you, too. Absolutely. Yeah, that's such an important chapter mm -hmm. in this book, is that it's so important for us to open to really pay attention to what does intuition feel like versus what is an old strategy or a thought feel like. And sometimes they can feel very similar. Yeah. So the best way to learn how to, to tap into our own wisdom, because sometimes women will come to me and they'll go, well, one thing I know is that you can always trust your body. And I'm like, mm, not really. I mean, yes, you can always trust your body on some level, but our minds are so wrapped up in our body that we can have a really strong body sense that's actually coming from an old strategy to keep ourselves safe, to manage the world, because it's out of fear. And it's become so familiar, it feels like intuition, or it feels like knowing. And so the willingness to backtrack and to start to really learn and listen for what are my actions that are really from an inner knowing and where are my actions that are from a strategy or fear? Mm -hmm. And when we're willing to, to sort and find out what's what and discern, I love that word, that then we, we learn more about ourselves. And that's really what we're here for. We're here to become more intimate with ourselves. Yeah. And we can't become more intimate with ourselves if we're thinking I'm supposed to be doing it perfectly all the time or I should already know this. We become intimate when we show up with who we are yeah. now. And we're yeah. willing to, to listen and look and untangle and, and get clear. Oh, right. When there's this tension in my body, when I feel this push, mm, I don't think that's intuition. But, oh, when I feel this sense of calmness and I feel open and I don't care about the outcome, oh, that maybe feels more like intuition. And so we can track by going back and exploring our choices and what the result of our choices was and what the, the feeling in our body was at the time. And that helps us to hone in on that self-intimacy. Mm -hmm. There's like two, two things coming up for me as you're talking about this. One is curiosity. Yes. Of just simply getting curious about like getting out of our heads and like into the, the visceral body of what's going on here, just getting curious about it. Yes. Also, there's this courage to be vulnerable and to feel what we feel. And I'm sure that this comes up a lot in your work as it does in mine, that as women, we've received these messages that to be emotional is somehow bad or it's wrong or it's crazy or whatever it is. And so I feel like a lot of us have somehow distanced ourselves from, from our emotions. And so we'll stay busy so we don't feel, or we'll do all of these other, you know, addictive things on out on Facebook so we don't feel. So what would be some strategies that you would share for women to, to help them start embracing this, this beautiful and rich part of ourselves that's so necessary for owning who we are because we're emotional beings, but also getting in touch with that intuition because our feeling is such a big component of that. Yes. One thing is to have the willingness to unpack old emotional content. 
which is scary, and, which can be, um, and is so liberating and so freeing. So the image that I have is that a lot of us, as we're growing up, we're told it's okay to be this emotion, but not this emotion. So often for women, you're okay, it's okay to cry, but it's not okay to be angry. And often for men, it's okay to be angry, but not to cry. That's not totally true, but that, that is a trend right now in our mm. culture. And so what happens is that either we, and some of us are told you're not allowed to have any emotions at all. Right. So what we do is we either take emotion that, we're, that hasn't been experienced and we put it into, a, I think about it as a backpack. So we start shoving all the emotions that we don't know what to do with, that we haven't been able to run through our body for whatever reason, and we shove it into the backpack. Or whenever we have, let's say we're angry, we end up crying. So we take an emotion that is one thing and we go, oh, I can't have this emotion, so I'll have this emotion. Mm. So we, get, we need to rewire that and really go, what am I actually feeling? And also, what haven't I let myself feel? What am I carrying around in this heavy backpack? And what happens is that when we have emotional content that we haven't processed is it gets under pressure eventually. So we keep sticking it into this backpack and eventually the backpack gets full. And that's when it blows out sideways where we have big emotional reactions to things. So small things are happening. And people will be like, well, will ask me sometimes, well, how do I know if it's about the present or if it's about the past? And pretty much if you're having an emotional reaction around something, it's almost like 99% of the time about the past. Mm -hmm. It's clear immediately. Yeah. They've done studies with kids around emotion and the average emotion for time frame of an emotion for a child is seven seconds. Wow. Yeah. And so our emotional body is actually really fluid. We get pissed off and we feel it and then it's moves. And then we're like, okay, this is the action I need to take. Yeah. But if we've kept, if we've stuffed our anger for the last 20 years, mm -hmm. when it comes out, it's pretty, it can be pretty gruesome. Yeah. And so the willingness to, create sacred space for yourself to release the old emotion. You don't need to understand it, explain it, know where it came from. You know, I, I, I really love to tell women, go turn on loud music and let yourself dance. Mm. One of my first teachers who, this incredible woman, Cara Dwin, the first thing she taught us, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to learn all this spiritual groovy stuff. And the first <laughs> thing she taught us was how to move anger. Oh. Like, I want you to do this every day for at least five minutes get a pile of pillows and beat on the pillows and yell. And that's your homework. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm not here to learn that. And it was cathartic. Mm. So even if sometimes it felt like I was just going through the emotions, there was plenty of times where I hooked of like, oh, right, there's still energy there. Ah. Whatever. That then got to be cleared. And as we clear old emotional content, whether it's grief or anger or fear and to clear it doesn't mean, let me go get pissed at my partner. Oh, I feel better now. I've expressed my anger. <laughs> yeah. That never clears it. It's going to come back. Mm -hmm. To clear it means to have the emotion and to let it move through us. And you may have someone there to help hold space. But it's never about dumping the emotion onto somebody else to relieve the pressure. Mm. It's about letting it go. Yeah. I was once um, dealing with a lot of anger in my life and... My partner at the time was great, and we were, we were traveling. And so literally, we'd be traveling, and I'd just look at him, and I'd say, pull over. 
and he'd pull the RV over and I'd run out into the desert and I'd start throwing rocks and yelling <laughs> and then it would pass and I'd get back I'd go, okay. And that was our agreement. I love it. I didn't need to explain, understand, make sense of it. I just had the dedication to clearing the emotion out. Mm. Yeah. I love that. And I love that he didn't take it personally either. Yes. <laughs> Another agreement, right? Another agreement. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So That's one of the things. About having those agreements in advance of like, oh, this happens, we'll do this. Yeah, so incredibly powerful for relationships. Absolutely. Now, I'm curious. One of the things that I love about emotional energy is teaching women how to embrace it as it comes, mm -hmm. like put out fires as they arise. But a lot of that is learning how to walk into something instead of trying to walk around it or trying to, you know, step back. So what would be your tools of, of how to, to embrace this and to walk courageously into it? knowing that you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. To really start with the willingness to love ourselves through whatever arises mm. and to stay present with ourselves. And so it's something we can learn. We've learned how to avoid. We can learn to be with, to sit. And so that's what I, I love sharing with with people is this place of get comfortable in the uncomfortable, be with the discomfort. So instead of trying to bypass discomfort, that where there is discomfort, whether that's fear or another emotion, that we actually, okay, I'm going towards that, and then learn to just sit and get curious and witness and breathe and not try, really separate what I, what I um, find so helpful is to separate the emotion from the story. Mm. The story wants to say, I'm feeling this because they did that. This happened to me in my childhood. And that can keep an emotion going forever. Yes. You think of the event and it recreates it. You think about the event. It's like pushing the button, the emotion. But as we start to separate out, I'm just going to be with the feeling, not the story. Mm. what am I feeling where is it in my body to get really curious where I was dealing with this working with this with shame today because I found a place in where I've realized I have some shame around something and my logical mind is like well that's silly why are you ashamed of that and like it doesn't make any sense and it's very easy for us to then oh well I'll just bypass it because it doesn't logically make sense and I shouldn't be feeling that yeah but what I've learned is okay there's shame there period. I don't need the story. I don't need to understand. But to then go in and then ask myself, where's the shame? Where am I holding it in my body? What does it feel like? What's the temperature? What's the weight? Yeah. What's the, um, does it travel? And then go to wherever it is and just be with it for a while. And that's so healing yes. because then our body starts to trust us again. Our emotional body starts to trust us. And this is where we come back into alignment with our intuition, with our, the wisdom of our body, is that instead of running away, we sit with and listen, and then the body starts to tell us, oh, this is, this is what's happening. This is where the shame is from, or this is what I'm carrying. Yes. And it takes a while. Mm -hmm. No, this happened to me just the other week. And it was, it was really interesting. I think for, for many of us, when we feel something, we want to understand it and, and make sense of it. And we get caught up in analyzing what's going on here and, and just realizing it doesn't have to make sense. Um, 
you know, I started unraveling a money story and that shame came up really quickly, like in my stomach. And I felt it was like a knot. And luckily I had this, this wonderful friend that I called. I said, can you just hold some space for me for a few minutes? I don't know what's going on, but something needs to move. And we just went there and it was related to this part of me that was really scared of shining. Mm. Because I had gotten this message long ago, like, don't be too bright or people are going to think that you're, you're this or you're that. And so it, it kind of made sense. Like I could kind of connect the dots, but that wasn't the important piece. It was the part of me that needed to move and that needed that healing of saying, it's okay. Yeah. Right. And then it just, it just moved right on out. And it was like, that's the beautiful part about emotion is that when you really tune into it and give it what it needs, just that nourishment, sometimes even that permission. It, it starts to expand and your body starts to shift it and you just feel lighter. So nice. So nice. <laughs> I know. So one of the last areas that I would like to dive in with you is really embracing the softness as women. I think that it's a really big, big piece of what we're here to do, um, to be helpers and, and healers and to be that soft place. And I think that our, our culture can sometimes dull that out of us mm-hmm. um, and that it's like not safe to be vulnerable. And would you just speak to that area? Yes. I really believe that our vulnerability is the key to our freedom mm. and our courage to turn towards vulnerability and softness and to do that with ourselves, to start with ourselves. Can we be vulnerable with ourselves by telling ourselves the truth of what's really going on, Mm. not using it against ourselves? Because usually the reason that we're not vulnerable is because our judge is going to come then punish us for what we're feeling. Mm. We learn to stay with ourselves and make everything okay. Our experience is okay then we can name what's going on and then we can start to find people around us that will hold us mm. as we our vulnerabilities. And as we get that, then we become more create, courageous. We can hold ourselves. You know, what I really support all of us as, as in doing is creating communities, creating circles around ourselves of people that are on the same journey yes. that are also ex- really interested in how do I show up? How do I bring my full self here? And that can be gentle around vulnerability yeah. as well and can hold and mirror, yes, bring it on. We're here. Yes. And as we feel held externally, then we also learn to hold ourselves even more strongly mm-hmm. so that we're not expecting the world's always going to hold me if I'm vulnerable because it's not true. Totally. But we learn to hold ourselves. So even the times we get dropped, we're like, ouch, okay, let me hold myself. And then we, we actually strengthen. Yes. And I feel like that's such like a big piece of building resiliency. Yes. Of really knowing like how to be vulnerable and, and hold ourselves is so key. Because in this world, I mean, when you're really serving your purpose and walking, you know, a purpose-driven path especially, you're going to be called to expand into different levels and and different areas of unknown and to go and talk to big groups of people sometimes, which can be very frightening. And it's just, it's a very vulnerable path. So to know that you can hold yourself and that you can pick yourself back up if you totally fall on your face, um, that's resiliency. And I think that's such a strong asset for just women's leadership in general. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. 
Absolutely. And then we can use each other as role models. Yes. To remind ourselves. Not, you know, again, the, the transformation is instead of using other women to judge ourselves against, that we use other women to inspire us. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, sisterhood is a very big core value of mine, mm-hmm. learning how to see each other as co-creators yes. and collaborators instead of competition. And it has just been such a huge shift for me and just the women I've been able to connect with, really creating a platform for them to shine mm-hmm. and not have to feel intimidated by that. It's actually a very good thing to, to join with other women and encourage them to stand in their enoughness because it gives us permission to stand in ours, right? <laughs> Absolutely. That's great. (laughs) Heather Ash, thank you so much for being such a phenomenal guest. I'm going to share a link to the Warrior Goddess training book um, in the show notes. Is there anything else that you would like to share with my community before we wrap up today? Mm, Just keep opening your heart, keep trusting, keep pulling in your warrior and your goddess. Mm. And there's a way to download two free chapters of the book. So oh, yeah, warriorgoddesstrainingbook.com. Okay. Or actually, if you, go to my, if you just go to warriorgoddess.com, that has the, the link too. So that's a nice way that women can come in and taste and go, hmm, how does, how does this work? Yes, so. absolutely. And to all the women that are listening today, you know, as, it, as, as Heather Ash's work relates to my own, there's a beautiful chapter in the book that talks about rewriting stories in a more empowering way. And you, you detail that and give such a rich example of how you've been able to rewrite some of your stories, changing your perspective. And we get to choose that. We get to be the author of, of our lives and our stories. So definitely if you get the book, check that chapter out. Cause I think it's really important as well as a chapter on intuition and wisdom. They're all amazing. <laughs> so just get the book. So thank you all for joining Heather Ash and I in this space. We will see you again soon. Thank you so much for joining us on the Enoughness Revolution. If today's episode rocked your world or added value to your life, I'd love for you to let us know by leaving a quick review on iTunes. The Enoughness Revolution is a global conversation for owning who we are as women and owning who we are as leaders. If you're ready to break free from the destructive stories of not enough and step boldly into your own leadership, visit me at megan-hale.com for one-on-one coaching, group programs, and courses all designed to empower you to lead. Until next time, you're beautiful, you're powerful, you're capable of achieving everything you desire. Claim your enoughness, sister, and unleash the fierce feminine leader within.